0: terms of involvement, so he finally quit. And I see Christians who fail to get involved, and they become discouraged, and they give up. They quit. But I want to remind you of something tonight as we talk about this lesson. I want you to understand this truth. We are a priesthood of believers. We don't believe in a clergy laity system. The Bible doesn't teach that. I'm not the pastor. I'm not the reverend. I'm not the father. I'm not the clergy. And you all are just lay folks. That, that's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. And we'll talk about that in a minute. We in the kingdom of God, the way God designed this kingdom is that we are all priests in the kingdom of God. And so with that thought in mind, and the passage that Brandon just read, First uh, Timi- Peter chapter two and verse nine, "We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, in the kingdom of God, if you're a disciple of Christ, if you're in that kingdom, you have a holy responsibility." Oh, there are gender distinctions. I'm not arguing otherwise but you, are, you have holy obligations that you need to be involved in. And uh, if we come and view our Christianity as something that I sit back and I don't participate in, I just um, watch, I'm a spectator, after a while that will get old. You'll get tired of it. And you'll do what my friend did in 11th grade and just quit. I don't want that to happen, and I know that you don't either. So let's look at a couple things tonight about the priesthood of believers and our individual responsibility in the church. And not only is it a responsibility, but it is a privilege. I mean, think that we are God's own possession, a chosen generation, a people for His own possession. That's quite an honor. But in... In, if you have your Bible, turn to Numbers chapter 32 and verse 6. We've talked about this before, but I want you to see some things about individual responsibility and how we have individual responsibility. In Numbers chapter 32 and verse 6, there is a misunderstanding with Moses and the children of Israel. As they come into or, or plan to take the promised land, Two tribes decide they don't want to go in and settle on the other side of the Jordan. They liked it where they were, and they wanted to just stay there. When word of that reached the ears of Moses, he was terribly upset. Because what he thought was that they were going to just sit there and let everybody else do all the fighting and driving out the Canaanites. And so when he meets with them, he says... It's not right for you to sit here while your brethren go to war. You can't just sit back and do nothing while your brethren are engaged in this battle. And that statement that Moses made, I think, has application to us today in the church. We're not possessing land, but we're working in the kingdom of God. And while we don't have an enemy, a flesh and blood enemy, we do have an enemy satan that we battle every day and if i'm not participating in that battle then it's not right how can i let everybody else do the work for me and i just reap the benefits well moses misunderstood in the story they said oh you've misunderstood us we will go to war with you but when it's all settled and done uh, we want to just come back over here and live and moses said oh well, I didn't understand that. That's fine. But to let us go to war and you not join us, that wouldn't have been good. Another passage that I'd like for you to consider is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. And in that passage, we have a reminder that uh, we don't battle against flesh and blood. Our battle is against principalities and powers and heavenly places and so forth. And again, in a war... We have responsibility. Every man stands in a place. There, everyone has a position. What would happen if you didn't fulfill your role on the front line and you left a gap and the enemy could come through? Everybody has a position. When Gideon surrounded the armies, the enemy of God... Uh, He had 300 men, and they each had a trumpet, a pitcher, and a torch. And at a certain time, they all yelled, and they broke their pitchers, and they held up their torches. What if half of them decided they didn't want to participate? It's too hard to hold those lights up. Uh, I'll let my guy next to me do it. it. It wouldn't have had, I don't think, the same effect. Well, there's participation needed. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, um, are the slides not advancing or not? But in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, we have the Apostle Paul talking about our different gifts, our different talents. And he said, um, if you're good at administration... If you're good at giving, if God's blessed you and, and you can make money, great. But use that gift. If, if you're a person that's a good encourager, if you're a person that's gracious, have you ever met people that just have that personality that they're just so sweet and kind-hearted, and when, when uh, you, you talk to them, it, it's apparent, you know, these, these people make me feel better. There are people that can tackle difficult situations. There are people that have just the right personality and the way to deal with people that they can approach them on a difficult matter and say things that other people could never say and get away with it, but they can because of their way about them. It doesn't matter what it is. What Paul says in Romans 12 is that whatever you're gifted with, Use it to the glory of God. There's individual responsibility. And then again, in Mark chapter 4, verse 41, and Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, there's the, the, Jesus tells his disciples, just if you would just but give a cup of water in my name, you'll not lose your reward. Uh, giving somebody a cup of water is not a big deal. I, you know, there are bigger things you can do. And when I hear that statement and I read that, I always... We lived right next door to the church building when I was growing up. That's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Um, Everybody that wants some kind of financial assistance or aid will come knocking at your door. I can remember countless times when I was at home, just a little boy playing around on the floor... And my mom would let these folks in our house, and she'd fix them sandwiches. She'd give them drinks. They'd sit down on our furniture and rest a while and didn't smell so good. And they'd stay just a little while, and then they'd be on their way. Jesus said, if you'll just give a person a cup of water and do it in my name, you'll not lose your reward. You don't have to serve God in big ways. Don't store up. Don't save up for some big bang that you're going to do someday in the kingdom of God. Use it bit by bit, piece by piece, day by day, and serve God in that fashion. The Bible again says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, and I I love that verse, but it says that... God is not unjust to forget our labor of love and that we've ministered and, and do minister to the saints. People who were ministering to the saints, God takes notice. Little things that nobody else takes notice of, doesn't make the bulletin, nobody ever announces, nobody even knows about but you. God notices. You know, you might walk through this building someday and uh, be in the middle of the week, and nobody be around, and you might see a piece of paper laying down. See, there's one right there. That's a prop. I didn't even do it. You might just go pick that up. I guess I could do that too right now, couldn't I? <laughs> but I'd rather let you serve, uh, give you an opportunity. But uh, you see, they're just little things. I mean, you just pick up you help and and no one knows that, but you did it because you're trying to be helpful. God sees that and honors that. If we act in the name of Christ, that counts. And not only does it count, it's expected. Back to the passage in First Peter chapter two and verse nine, We are a priesthood of believers. A priesthood of believers. I mentioned that there's no clergy, there's no laity. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 8 through 10, you you remember those passages? Call no man father upon this earth, for one is your father in heaven. Don't don't call anybody your rabbi or your teacher, so forth. Why? He said because we're all brethren. You can't elevate somebody else. I mean, what I, what? It, who here stands on a higher plane than anybody else? Best I can tell, we're all sinners. And best of that news is that we've been saved by the grace of God. And I don't know anybody else that can claim any better than that. So how can someone elevate themselves above somebody else and take a position and, and have others, you know, underneath them? In Jesus said, you're not to do that. We're all brethren. We all serve the Lord from the same footing at the foot of the cross as sinners, at best redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But the priesthood, when you when you hear that word, does your mind not go back to the Old Testament? And you think of Aaron and... You know, when God started, when the whole tabernacle system started and, and he, the Levitical priesthood was set up, God made the sons of Levi, Aaron, and his sons, priests. And he told them how to function and how, what an honor it was and the responsibilities that came with it. And two of his sons, Nadab and Abihu, got careless, Leviticus, and they went in and offered a strange fire to God, and God consumed them. Man, you, you can't be a priest and be that haphazard and careless about the responsibilities that you have in, in serving God. So right from the get-go, we see this priesthood as being a special group of people. You go to Leviticus chapter 21 and read that sometime when you have time and, and look at some of the responsibilities. Not just anybody could be a priest. It was a holy calling. Couldn't, you couldn't, you had to marry, if you married, you had, you had to marry a woman who was a virgin. You couldn't marry a harlot. You couldn't marry a woman who had been married before and divorced. You couldn't have any defects. If your eyesight was bad, you couldn't be a priest. If your foot had been broken or if you had a broken arm or a hand, you couldn't serve as a priest. Because he wanted men that were without blemish. If you had eczema or some kind of a skin, some kind of rash, you couldn't serve as a priest because you had to be perfect. And God goes through the book of Levit- or chapter 21 of Leviticus, and he gives all these things. You, if you're going to be a priest, you have to be this and this and this and this. You had to meet this criteria because God wanted men to represent him who were pure and holy and perfect. In that respect, now God's not looking for physical perfection today, but I believe He is looking for the kind of perfection in terms of our conduct, our spiritual life, our desire, our our passions. They need to be pure. When I think of the holy responsibility, they even had special clothes. It is, they didn't even dress like everybody else. They, they had special garments and they had to be cleansed. And their service was this daily service that um, everything about it and about them was about their relationship to God. Now, I fast forward a couple thousand years and I come to the cross of Jesus and I see that that old law with its Levitical priesthood and with all those requirements and ordinances that they've been nailed to the cross, there is no more Levitical priesthood. There is no more requirement of having good eyesight to be a priest and, and no broken bones and all that. All that's been done away. But then I come to passages like First Peter 2 and verse 9, and God says, but the priesthood isn't done with. I'm not through with the priesthood. You are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a people for my own possession. We are a kingdom of priests, John said. And if I'm a priest, then I have holy obligations. I need to serve God, not as a group, but as an individual. I can't just ride the coattails of the church and say, well, look what we do down there at Carnes. Man, we do this and this and this and and if I've done none of it, I, I can't just ride the coattails of everybody else and say, look what we did. Uh, I, I need to be involved as well. I have responsibility as a priest. And what I do doesn't have to be a big splash. It can be quiet things that are done in service to God where only he knows. I, I, there are so many things. This church has so many resources. You, not only from what we do here, but you do realize that people in other places, in other states, they know about you. This is a church that has a reputation, a godly reputation, that affects other people and that strengthens and encourages people that have never been here before. Your reputation precedes you. It's like uh, Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, Listen, you guys are my epistle. You know, it's like the book that I've written. People read you and they learn about God. And that's the same thing with you. We need to be a part of that and continue that. And it doesn't have to be in big things. It can be in small things. Aaron and her in Exodus chapter 17, there were two men who, well, brother of Moses, and, and they were doing battle and Moses would hold his hands up. You know, the story as he held the rod forth. He They were victorious, but when his arms got heavy and he put his arms down, they began to lose. Well, two guys, Aaron and Hur, they just roll a stone over so that Moses can sit on it, and they stand there and just hold his arms, and they win the battle that day. These two guys, to my knowledge, never picked up a sword. They never threw a spear. They just held another guy's arms up. But who would deny their value in that victory that day there's in matthew chapter twenty six verses six through ten a woman who comes to see jesus she has a an alabaster alabaster box of ointments, and um she doesn't know what to do for Jesus. All she has is this that I know of and she but she takes that and she says, "Let me anoint." You were this. And she even uses her hair to wipe his feet. Can you can you imagine guys walking around sandals and they come inside and, and so she takes this fragrant substance and she pours it on his feet and she doesn't have a towel, but she just she uses her hair to wipe it off with. Some didn't appreciate that. Well, number one, they questioned her character. Some of them did. And others thought, what a waste of money. We could have sold that and use that money for other things, Jesus commended her and said she has done what she could. I want us to be like that lady. I want us to just do what we can. It doesn't have to be huge. But if the 350 of us will leave this place this week and we'll just go out and do small things in the name of Jesus, what? What impact does that cumulatively have on the lives of the people in which we come in contact? There was a few years ago a a phrase that became popular about random acts of kindness and people would just randomly do good things. That's close to the Christian life. But the difference with Christianity and that is that in Christianity, it's not random acts of kindness. It's deliberate acts of kindness. It's planned, purposed acts of kindness. Let's be about that this week. When we leave here, let's recognize that I have a heavenly responsibility. I am a priest of God. And as a priest, I have a holy and high calling. And I need to fulfill that calling. We're warned in Matthew chapter 25 uh, If we don't do these things, he he talks about the judgment. He gives us a scene in Matthew 25. And and those that are separated from the sheep and the goat, and that separation takes place. But the difference was in service. You visited me. You didn't. You fed me and you wouldn't. I was hungry. I was sick. I was thirsty. I was in prison. and you met my needs, and the rest of you didn't. That makes the difference between heaven and hell. Priestly service. And so I want to call you, and it goes hand in hand with what Justin was saying this morning, and what our theme is for this year. For such a time as this, we find ourselves situated in this place at this time with the resources that we possess. With the influence that we have, what are we going to do with it? Maybe it's for just such a time as this that God has been waiting to open up doors of opportunity for us to reach out and affect the lives of people in a way that will will bring them back to Him. I want to call you to service. God has honored you, highly honored you by making you a priest in his kingdom. But as priest, it's not just a title. It's not just a badge of honor we get to wear around. It doesn't have special clothes. What it does have is a responsibility. Serve God every day. Do your priestly duty. And help bring glory to him. And in so doing, you'll help others to come to know him better. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel? There is a great offer that God makes to you. You become my follower, my disciple. You become part of my family. And I'll make you a priest in my kingdom. If you haven't done that, do that tonight. We'll assist you in that. And if you have done that, but you haven't been living up to your priestly obligations, and maybe there are things that you just want to say, you know, I need to do better. I want to challenge myself, and I want the prayers of these people here to help me do better. I I want to serve God as a faithful priest. I don't want to take it lightly like Nadab and Abihu did. I, I want to serve him faithfully. We'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.